Is your Shopify store ready for the biggest selling season of the year? Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to use during the holiday season to increase the size of almost all your orders. Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks. No coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You can count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, and Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrade cross-sales or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you can boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you can do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. The best part is it's geolocated so it only shows offers in relevant countries. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion and average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this holiday season. To get this special offer as an unofficial Shopify podcast listener, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, Makers of SEO Meta Manager have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Estelle's to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search Order Lookup in the App Store. On today's episode of the Unofficial Shopify Podcast, we are talking about CrossNet, the world's first four-way volleyball game. Yes, we have an entrepreneur here who bootstrapped along the way very quickly a, a profitable and now international business uh, reinventing volleyball. The guy invented his own sport. How about that? And is currently, CrossNet uh, is available in 2,500 retail stores and the co-founder and CMO, Chris Mead, who joins us today, is even a Forbes 30 under 30 recipient, I assume. I think, yep. I think recipient. Yes, yeah, I think so. Honoree. Anyway, uh, I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Tech nasty. And I'm joined by Chris Mead from CrossNet. Chris, how are you doing? Good, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Let's start with this. What the heck is a CrossNet? It's uh, this is like this provides cyber defenses, keeps hackers out of my network. Is I wish, that... I wish no? we need more of that. Uh, so CrossNet is the world's first four-way volleyball game. How do you play four-way volleyball? You keep the ball alive. You're in a quadrant, right? Six foot by six foot, so very safe. And uh, you keep the ball alive. If the ball lands in your square, you're out. And it's a, it's a, it's a classic twist on Foursquare, which is a childhood recess game. And adding the, the aspect of volleyball, don't let the ball land in your square, keep it alive and spike on your friends. So I'm, I sit in a two by two grid and then it's essentially like uh, two nets and like a plus sign that divide it. And then we work six in a foot grid. By six foot grid, but yeah. So it's a 12 foot long net 
So it's about half the size of a traditional volleyball net. And so you have a grid, you have a quadrant, and when you serve the ball across, you're called the king. And first first to uh, get to 11 points wins. And so, yeah, everyone's like like defending each other, left, right, straight ahead, balls coming any direction. And ultimately, it's to get the person out in front of you uh, to advance to the king square where you can serve point, uh, get points. And so when... How long have you been at this? When did you start with this idea? 2017. Uh, we just had a crazy idea one night. We assumed somebody was already making the product, and it was readily available. We said, why not us? It's really only been four years. Four years. Yeah, we've invented a sport in four years. And got it into a ton of retail stores and really been quite successful with it. And like by reinventing this thing. Okay, so 2017, where are you at in your life? I had been out of college for three years. It was $100,000 in student loan debt. Uh, kind of going, uh, yeah, graduated with a film degree. Uh, not too smart. And uh, yeah, I was super broke. I was working at, I had just gotten a job at Uber uh, at the headquarters, actually. They brought me on to be their first ever sales executive. So I was making decent money at that point, but I was going through the grind, man. Literally waking up, getting to the office at nine, cold calling to six, having to get my Ooh. 100 calls in a day, five days a week. And before that, I was jumping job to job every year, like, oh, here's another five grand raise. And it just like, I was 24 and I felt burnt out. And that's pretty pathetic to say, but like, I was thinking about it, like, is this what my life's going to be for the next 40 years? Like, this sucks. So uh, it was kind of just a perfect brainstorm moment. And I figured, yo, I'm already so pissed off with how my life is going. Like, I'm going to regret if I don't jump on this opportunity. So we just went all in on it. I love... That, well, you know, if you follow that traditional timeline of like, I graduate high school, I go to college, I finish college, I get a nine to five job working in an office. And for a lot of people, that's, uh, that's a really tough and strange transition, at least in your 20s, where you go from like, you know, what you don't realize is uh, an unending party in which you live in an apartment building with all your friends. Like that's the dorm life. And then suddenly it's like, all right. All right, here's your your entry level job, and you're in an office nine to five. And it, like that is a tough transition. So I get that where you're that existential crisis um, that I think sometimes results in in entrepreneurship post college. Where did the idea come from? It said I see your your co-founder here. So it's you and how many other folks? Yeah, so it's my brother Greg and our childhood friend Mike. So okay. uh, yeah, the, the idea came back in 2017. Mike had just graduated college from Northeastern. Uh, he knew that my brother was doing e-commerce stuff. Uh, me and him were doing some stuff on the side, nothing too magical. Uh, but Mike, Mike kind of had the same thought of me. I do not want to go get a real job yet. Like, I'm still, I'm still just a kid at heart. Like, I don't want to go work 40 hours for the man. Uh, so he came over that night trying to just invent stuff, like write down some ideas and see if anything could stick. One hour turned to two, two hours turned to four. It was all just a bunch of garbage. And then late, <laughs> late at like four o'clock in the morning, right before he, he went home, uh, wrote down the words four-way volleyball and uh, yeah, the rest is history. So you came up with this idea of four-way volleyball based on that, that kid's game, which already, like there's a squid game reference in there waiting to happen. I just haven't worked it out yet, but I assume no one gets killed in cross net. No, not yet. Okay, yeah. good. Nice good. insurance policy. Good. Um, and you had the idea and you went like, well, this is so simple. Someone must have done this. And you started to research it and no one had? No, nah, nobody had. Okay. So then what's from there, what's step two? Because it's like a feels like a fairly easy thing to mock up. Yeah. Right. It's not like a 
you're not reinventing manufacturing processes here. Exactly. I mean, there was there's definitely some complexities to it because you have two volleyball nets, so you have to have the gravity work to make the thing stand up, especially when the ball is getting hit because the whole thing could collapse really quickly, which we learned. Uh, but next steps for us was had the idea at 4, 4 a.m., went to bed, woke up the next day at like 11, went straight to the Walmart, bought two badminton nets, cut out the center with some scissors, rigged it up on the side of my mom's garage in her garden, texted our friends and said, yo, come over. Uh, so we had a group of kids over and we literally just felt like kids again. We made up the rules on the spot. We're like, oh, we hadn't played Foursquare in 15 years, right? But like, all right, <laughs> these rules seem like they make sense. So we had proof of concept down. We had gameplay down. We had the rules. Uh, next was manufacturing. And thank God our, our co-founder was an engineer. So he just whipped it up in AutoCAD that night and we were off to the races. So it's really like you have the idea and then by hour 48, we've already got the yeah, like we've, essentially. We've got the entire concept figured out and we've got, uh, we have a CAD file ready to go. <laughs> exactly. And so next was finding manufacturing. When I was broke, I used to sell hockey jerseys like DHgate NHL jerseys on eBay. So I knew okay. how to talk to manufacturers. And uh, we literally typed in volleyball net manufacturer. And the, the worst thing is, right, like you're broke as hell. You have a great idea. You don't want to wake up in China selling it the next day. And it's then somebody ripped off your game. So you got to be like kind of secretive with who you want to talk to. You don't want right. to share the magic formula with everybody. So we found a few manufacturers that had a good rapport, spoke English well, responded quickly. And then we kind of boiled it down to two people. And the one factory we decided to go with was one that was just understanding of where we were. Uh, we had about $15,000 to our name across the three of us. That's all the money we had in our bank account and our 401k. And the lady understood. And I said, hey, we promise one day we'll be the biggest company in your factory. Uh, just give us some damn time. So she made like 50 units for us. And now we are the biggest company in their entire factory. Wow. So, and this was a, a manufacturer in China? Yeah, correct. Because that, what I have found in, in doing these journeys, like the idea is not, it really, that's not the hard part. And then the execution on the idea, okay, harder, but still not necessarily the hard part. Yeah. Getting it made without having things go horribly awry, at least like the first go around. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the tough part. And here you made it like you found someone who was willing to say, yeah, we'll do 50 units. So like a fairly low minimum order quantity and investment for you. Yeah, we didn't, get, we didn't get bullied into those high MOQs and having to have 300,000 units in stock and then have inventory for five years. Like that wasn't the business I was trying to get into. Do you think that was, uh, do you think it was luck or persuasion or, or both? I think a little bit of both. Um, ultimately, we didn't have the cash, right? I was 100 grand in debt. Uh, it's either China getting my savings or the student loan, the Fed government getting it. So that was all the money I had. There was no other money. Um, we grew up in a super farm town, man, like 45 minutes to go to the movie theater, 30 minutes to go get gas. Like there was no, the concept of VC that I see on Twitter that we see all day. Like that wasn't, that wasn't a world to me. People weren't VCs. My parents worked at a gas station like that. That wasn't, that wasn't even a concept of, oh, we'll go rate, like who are we going to raise money from? What, uh, where did you, where were you? <laughs> uh, Woodstock, Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so it was, it was pretty, pretty rural. Pretty, pretty, yeah. Some would say. A lot of uh, dirt I roads. Up, I grew up next to a uh, apple orchard and a cow farm. Well, that sounds very pleasant though. Oh, not, not saying it wasn't, but VC money wasn't. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly, it, it gets tougher when you don't have that, like that network just out there outside your front door waiting. Exactly. Um, okay. So 
were you terrified when you said, because you're like, all right, we're going to get 50 units made. I'm going to give up uh, all of the $15,000 I have, and I'm still on the hook to Fannie Mae for a hundred grand. Yeah, dude, it's definitely terrifying. But the coolest thing was like, if I go to a park or a beach, I immediately get free eyeballs and they can't do a damn thing about it, right? So I would bring the CrossNet prototype to the beach and the reactions we'd get, even just with the first sample from China, was just crazy. People taking photos, like it felt like I was a Kardashian, right? Like it was nonstop attraction to the net, people asking to play. And by the end of the day, we wouldn't even get to play our own game because there'd be 50 people on there and we'd be doing the right thing, right? Like it was still fun. I mean, it's still fun, but like it was still cool to play your invention, but then there's 60 people on the net and you got to do what's best. And I was shooting iPhone content and then we'd run home and run Facebook ads at night. Oh man. So you take the prototype, you go to the beat and you just play it. Yep. And it it's guerrilla marketing. You just attracted people by virtue of doing something different and unusual and had fun with it. And they're like, uh, that that might be good for me too. Exactly. And I still do it. I still do. I, whenever I get prototypes or extra nets sent to my house, I'll just go set them up in a field or a park somewhere and I'll just leave them and they'll stay for weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. It's free billboards. So you had the prototype. Yep. You start playing it in public, which you generate content that way, which is great. Mm -hmm. And how do you get the word out online? Like, how did you start making the first sales? Did you do Kickstarter, you do a marketplace, go to a website? No, nah, we, we launched our Shopify in November of 2017. And everyone's like, oh, friends and family around, like everyone's going to buy crickets. Not a damn person bought. Nobody cared. Uh, and then you're like, oh, shit, I just spent all this money on the product. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? You're so, going to be yeah, definitely some sleepless nights at that point. So almost immediately we moved to Miami um, to like just go do this thing. And so we literally go to the beach every single day, man. And we would have 50 units store name. The Shopify store was not getting any traffic at the time. I'd be happy if I got 25 visitors a day. And uh, we would just literally go sell on the beach. I'd meet you at the beach. You'd play for a few hours. And instead of me breaking it down, I'd be like, yo, Kurt, like take it home for 75 bucks. It's 150 on the website. I'm still making a couple dollars off of it. But what ended up happening was I remember these girls specifically, they lived in uh, Long Island and they loved it. They loved it so much. And they took it home. And then the next weekend we started getting like five sales from Long Island. I'm like, I've never been to Long Island. So how's this happening? These girls were out there doing it for us, doing what we were doing in Miami. So it started trickling like, all right, the more nets we get out, the more free marketing, because it's not like I'm doing anything special, right? Like I'm not like going up, selling people it. I'm just playing my own game. So the more nets that we got out into the world, the quicker it snowballed. So we had like, now we have 100,000 nets out in the world. Uh, so every summer when people are going out and playing, they're doing that same guerrilla marketing for us, but they're not even thinking they're doing it. They're just doing it because they're having fun. So, wow, that is... That is both diabolical and brilliant in that it's like it just speaks to the, the quality of the product. And it's the fact like you see people having fun and there's just both inherent social proof and FOMO where you had people coming up going, I want to try that. Exactly. Exactly. So you're that's, in that's all our messaging, too, is FOMO. Like you're reading this email at work. You should be outside playing. Oh, OK. I yeah. You see it. You're like, who doesn't want to hang out on the beach and play Bizarro Volleyball? Uh, <laughs> Which is not as catchy a name yes. as CrossNet. Um, so essentially, like the issue is you invent a brand new product category sport, right? And 
by doing so, no one knows it exists. So when you launch to a Shopify store, you don't get traffic because no one knows to look for it. They've never heard of it. How could they know to look for it, right? Exactly. It's like, you know, in hindsight, you're like, oh, of course. But at the time, you know, you didn't know what you didn't know. Yeah. And, but you knew, all right, when we play it in public, people are interested. So Mm -hmm. you're straight up like, the way to save this is we got to move to Miami because it is like hanging out on the beach. Because I've been to South Beach. It's nuts. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. It's like a a cultural phenomenon. You just (laughs) hang out at or near the beach. Yeah. And and in hindsight, it's probably not the best volleyball market. It's more of the best alcohol market and partying. But uh, it worked for us. We were farm town kids from Connecticut. It was it was November, freezing cold. How are we selling volleyball nets? Nobody even plays volleyball, let alone in Connecticut when it's freezing or snowing. So we didn't want to move to the West Coast. All our family was on the East Coast. So it just made sense to, to try Florida. And so, all right, so you head down to Florida and now people, because it is, it's a vacation destination. So now you're able to spread this thing across the country and by people see, like they see it there, they take it home and then their friends see it and they're like, oh, I'm going to buy this. And it's nice because it's kind of like Miami Beach. All right, spring, spring break destination. Exactly. This works pretty well. So you have a lot of people from around the country. And we're not thinking any of this, of course. It oh, just, really? <laughs> it just happened. There's uh, only I Well, you know, it's still still your success, mm-hmm. um, even if you, you stumbled into it. The And I'm sure there's more to it than that, right. you know. Um, but there's, you know, there, of course, there is some, some luck involved there in circumstance. So, all right, we've got it's the sales on the website now are, are starting to pick up. Where do you go from there? And is it at this point, is it still bootstrapped? Or still bootstrapped four years later. Okay, so at no point have you taken money. Never taken money. Profitable. Good for you. 22 employees, profitable, eight figures, no cap table, no investors, no mentors. Wow. Yeah. And do you still view yourself as. Do you still view some of this as like luck stumbling through it or you, you're figuring it out as you go? Oh, there's luck. There's definitely luck that goes into it. I think we it speaks to the product. And I think it has to be our frugal mindset that we grew up with. Like the farm town living kind of helps when you run a business. And when you have cash in the bank account that you've never seen before and you're not just blowing it on stupid shit. So it's uh it's good to just like get back to the fundamentals and we still find ourselves like doing stupid stuff like i did a billboard campaign for like a hundred thousand dollars probably a waste of money but we tested <laughs> it <laughs> and and we'll, we'll never do it again or we'll we'll get more calculated from it like we learn very very quickly and we adapt uh we take risks when we need but at the end of the day if it's not profitable we're probably not doing it so uh going going back to your question um from there we started getting sales on shopify we literally took those 50, those the money from the 50 units, bought 100, sold 100, bought 250, 250 to 500, 500 to 2,500. And we just kept scaling it up, uh, kept getting better terms with the manufacturer. The Shopify sales started to grow. Uh, and the best thing is every day I just have new, fresh content. And we had a kid that I grew up playing basketball with, and he was he was so sad at his college. So we're like, yo, we'll give you college credit to be an intern. He skipped the class and he'd get official college credit and he'd just run our Facebook ads. This dude was great. He was, he runs his own agency now, happy for him. Shout out Ben. And uh, Ben would just run our Facebook ads from my phone. And every day it was, all right, got a hundred visitors. How do we get to 200? How do we increase conversion? What do we move it around? I mean, even listen to your, like, I swear to God, I told you this before, but like 
your podcast was the first one that I wanted to get on. And like, you guys had so many good little valuable tips. So I do appreciate that, man. So, uh, I got goosebumps hearing that. I, it is incredible to be part of that journey. Thank you. <laughs> I got you. Excuse me. Do you know where fourth street is? Yeah. Up here. Make right. Or, uh, no, make left. No, no, make a right. Man, this person doesn't know what she's talking about. But you know who does know what they're talking about? Zipify Pages, the most powerful landing page and sales funnel builder on Shopify. All their templates are tested and proven by a $100 million e-commerce brand. So you know their stuff actually works. Finally, someone who knows what they're talking about. You can copy entire templates like opt-in pages, product pages, or holiday promos. Or use the drag and drop builder to create your own custom layouts. Then publish your pages directly onto your Shopify store. That means no plugins and no subdomains. So setup is easy and tracking is even easier. And you don't need a designer or developer. Plus all pages are optimized for mobile and built-in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,700 Shopify merchants. To start your 14-day free trial, Go to Zipify.com slash Kurt, that's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at Zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. Uh, we've got, <laughs> so your Facebook, ad, you scaled through like word of mouth, yep. like this very intentional profit first strategy where everything is, is bootstrapped and uh, some some really Crev- uh, clever grassroots efforts and which I would include uh, giving a friend college credit to get him to run your Facebook ads. I'm going to put that in, in grassroots bootstrapping and very clever. Were, were there other things that helped you scale, got the word out? Like you've got press now or did that just come naturally yeah. as the business grew? Press came over time, like the Forbes 30 under 30 stuff that helps. That was last year. Um, but Really, the next milestone really was there's a, a store called Shields in the Midwest. Um, two locations they picked us up on. I got the I got the buyer's email through LinkedIn, begged them to take 16 of them. So at that point, it was like a three thousand dollar order was life changing, and uh, didn't move. Product sucked. Never sold. Didn't hear back from him. Ignored me. Uh, and then flash forward about six months later, we have our first viral video. I wake up. And this guy from Latvia had messaged me a few months ago being like, hey, I run a volleyball camp or something. Can you send me a net? And I was like, dude, Latvia is like $300 to ship. Like you pay shipping, I'll give you the product. So he pays for the shipping, never hear from him, just out of my mind. And I was with my girl and my phone just starts going crazy. I remember I was on the right side of my bed. My phone's going like this and I wake up and I got like 5 million views, like 30,000 comments and it was in a Shopify store. It was just like, ding, ding, ding. You know that sound. And uh, that was our first viral video. And it was the Latvian Olympic volleyball team. Oh, <laughs> they played. Exactly. So they played, uh, they played lacrosse net on this beautiful beach, perfect setting. And I suck. Like I'm, I'm not a volleyball player. Never played volleyball a day in my life. Um, <laughs> That's all right. That caught me by surprise. Yeah. All right. These, these dudes made it look so damn good. Like it's one thing to play with my friends or like my mom or something where we're just playing taps. These dudes were spiking, digging, rallying, all the terms that I barely know. Like they were doing it and they made it look so good. So we took that video, started running paid on it. And holy shit, did that unlock like the craziest like growth. So, so 
when this guy Thanks. reached out to you and said, "Hey, I run this this camp." Yeah. It was an Olympic training camp. It was just a volleyball camp. Like, and for me, I'm not a volleyball player, right? So, like, if it was James Harden reaching out to me, I'd know, like, all right, it's James Harden. I'm, I'm giving you a, a whatever you want, or Kevin Durant. I'm not familiar with the world of volleyball, and I, I'm more familiar now that I run a volleyball business. But back then, it was just, you're like, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, it was it was nobody to me. Like, I whatever. Now it's like a you big pay shipping, sport. and then they did it, and they did it, and. uh and we still work with them to the day, great partners of ours. But back then, I was just naive, right? So we took that at, so two things happened. We took that, started running paid on it. Beautiful. Great. We still run it to this day. It's like the most crossnet, like popular crossnet video. Secondly, I get an email from my buyer who's been ignoring me for six months. Chris, I don't know what the hell happened, but all the crossnets sold out last night. Whoa. Whoa, indeed. Can I take you guys on nationwide? Of course you could take us on this <laughs> Don't mind if we do. Exactly. And in hindsight, it was very important because that that location, Shields, which is one of my favorite retail stores we work with, if not the most favorite, net 30 payment terms. Very favorable for a bootstrapped company. Yeah, and unusual in retail. Most payment terms are uh, could be quite a bit longer than that. Exactly. So naive, Chris, ship the product, get my money in 30 days, sounds good. Had it been net 120 or net 90 like we do at Walmart or Dick's, we probably would have been screwed and shoot, shot ourselves in the foot. But with an order like that, it was eight units per store, like 35 stores. It was great cash and we got it and we took all that money. Still hadn't paid ourselves a dollar at this point. I was, uh, we took all of it and we just sent it to China. Go make us more products. And about 18 months later, we were able to finally pay ourselves our first paycheck. Wow. So, uh, did you ever get rid of that student loan debt? Yeah, I did. Thank God. Last year. Congratulations. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, it was uh, just putting it all back into the business. I was working on Upwork, dude. I was slinging Shopify sites to people. I barely knew what Shopify was, but I was helping other people who didn't know. Oh, no way. Yeah, I worked on Upwork. I, le- I worked on FreeUp, and I was a photographer, too, Like, because I spent all that money going to film school, so I'd shoot weddings. I'd do little stupid stuff here and there. Uh, and we had this big whiteboard. It was a doomsday board, we called it. And how much me, Greg, and Mike had in our bank account. And every day we'd deduct it. And if we got to zero, and it was time to go get a real job again. And so every, huh. every month it was like, all right, how can I add another 500 bucks to the piggy bank and go eat like a $6 pizza to hold me over? So I remember that yeah, in, my, in my 20s, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I did a similar journey. I was doing like whatever random computer work I could do. I did, uh, I was a wedding photographer, an assistant wedding photography. Cause that's like an easy, uh, nights and weekends thing. It's perfect. Uh, okay. Back to, uh, Crossnet. You're in this retail store, but now you're in Walmart, Target, Dick's Academy sports, 20 other retailers. I've walked in, um, God, I've seen it in, is it in Bass Pro Shop? Not yet. I hope it is. Someday I know soon. I've walked at a sporting goods store and I'm, I'm like, sure Oh no way there's Crossnet. Yeah. So we, we literally, I took that account with Shields, which was like 35 stores, had solid sell through. And I just pitched it to Dick's and I kept messaging the buyer of Dick's on LinkedIn and he kept ignoring me. Um, but then one day on our chat box, shout out gorgeous. We had uh, somebody type, Hey, this is the buyer from Dick's. I got an order for you. Just write back. And I was like, no way. We he, wrote, he put it in the live chat on your website? Put it in the live chat on my website. Okay. 
What's good? What's up with the order? Sends me over the purchase order for like 5,000 units. Whoa. Yes. Um, and thankfully, we had we had the inventory. And uh, yeah, so we rolled out to like, I don't know what it is, 900 Dick Sporting Goods stores plus shields. And then I took that and I leveraged those two logos and I got Academy Sports with it. So now we're up to like 1,500 stores. And at what uh, at what point in the timeline does this bring us up to? This is, we're right like mid-2019 at this okay. point. Okay. Yeah. Mid-2019. Jumping forward, mm-hmm. the pandemic happens, mm-hmm. right? The, the pandemic was scary as hell. Especially early on where like no one knew quite what was going to happen. Yeah. What was, and it affected so many businesses so differently. It did. How did it affect you? What What happened with CrossNet? Yeah, yeah. March 2020 and then forward. It was crazy, bro, because March is typically starts to trend up. People are starting to get excited for spring and summer. Uh, but we were at maybe 30 units a day we were selling on our Shopify. Uh, March, and then all of a sudden, COVID happens. Toilet paper starts getting out of stock. We go to 500 units a day. Whoa. Whoa, indeed. We were clearing well over a million dollars a month. And just on our Shopify, not on our other retail channels. And so that's all, that's sick, right? Like 500 units a day. This is like what we dreamed about. But that's only cool for so long because your supply chain breaks. And it breaks really quickly. Um, So we went from 500 units a day for a few weeks, for a month. And this went for five months straight, which is amazing. But we were back ordered for like three months at a time. And we literally would just have to keep updating our website. Product does not ship until X date. We'd sell out. I know I have like 2,500 units in a 40-foot container. We were tracking them with pen and pad. We're out 2,500. Here's the next ship date. Here's the next ship date. And at one point, we had over, I want to say, close to 20,000 customers backordered. Whoa. It was a nightmare. it's one of those things that's like, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. But at the time, it's it's stressful and scary. So stressful, so scary. And you have two alternatives. You have one, you shut down the Shopify store and you stop taking orders because you don't know how to manage it. Or you take advantage. Yeah, I guess that's, that's the right word. Take advantage of the best situation possible for your business and find a way to get through it. And give customers realistic expectations, keep them notified. And we're all in this together. Uh, so that's, you- that's what we did. So the approach was, all right, you sell out the inventory, obviously, like, order the next inventory, and the moment you know it has, it's moving, then it's like, all right, this is on a boat, it's going to get to customs, and obviously this is, like, pre-2021 supply chain yeah. madness, um, where once it was shipped, I'm probably getting it. The At that point, like, let's say you had 2,500 units on a boat, so you know, all right, it's coming, you yeah. would then pre-sell the 2,500 with an estimated ship date? Exactly. Yeah, and we literally would just... Thankfully, at this time, we had bootstrapped it so much that we had a lot of cash sitting there. We just gave it all to China. We said, keep going until we tell you to stop, which wow. caused it, cause its own issues because it ended up stopping. That 500 run rate stopped like in the middle of September, and it got really quiet. And so we were over-indexed on inventory. Um, so had its own problems there. But uh, yeah, we just told them to keep making inventory. And every time we'd sell 2,500, we'd pump back the, the date a few few more weeks or whatever the lead time was that we were getting from China. And we'd fix our, we'd fix our uh, confirmation email. We had a flow go out. We had a campaign go out. And it was just keeping them reminded of when their order was going to come through. Was it flawless? By no means. But we learned a lot and uh, we got through it. 
So as long as you kept people update, like as long as you you continued to communicate, like yeah. this is what's going on, this is where your order's at, this is what's available, then it was largely okay. I'm sure you had people who were like, yeah, all right, course. give me my money back. Of course, yeah. In which case, would you just refund them? Because you yeah, know you could sell it. Literally on the spot, because we'd sell the unit 10 seconds later, right? So I literally just had batch files of like, Container one, container two, container three. And you just send them custom messaging based off their lead time. Hmm. And all right, so then September it slows down. That and now we got so too much inventory. You catch your breath again. But then does that is that scary in the other way? A hundred percent, man. Because then you have six months of inventory and you don't really need it. So you're not paying bonuses out. You're not hiring more employees to staff up because all your money's in inventory so for us like the, what we've worked down to is we pretty much want to have two months of inventory on hand at all time and then constantly replenishing that two months that way the business has is cash flow positive you need to add a little bit because you never know when walmart's going to be like yo i need another five thousand tomorrow and you'd be an idiot not to have the inventory on reserve for walmart when they want that um so, so you find balance and this is a question I get a lot is like, how do I know how much inventory to keep? And so for you, your rule of thumb is we keep six an a forecasted 60 days worth and then like plus 10% buffer. Ex exactly. What it like. And the way we do that is we have, and it's tough when you're a growing business and have hockey stick growth, forecast, sorry, forecast only do so much, but also historicals only do so much because my job right. is to make my business 10 times better than what it was last year. Uh, so what we do is, we have Amazon historics, which help whatever. We have Shopify historics, but most importantly, it's getting aligned with the retail team. Give me your pre-buys. Like Shields has already ordered for the next, all, all of almost 2022. I already have their orders. Will they order more? Absolutely. But this is the bare minimum of what they want. Uh, so I have okay. all of that right now for all of my retail partners besides Walmart. We have our Walmart meeting next week, but I have all my buys for all of 22 already locked in. So that helps me go make inventory, you know? No, absolutely. And you get, you know, you know, it's it's guaranteed cash. And then I can plan my headcount accordingly. Smart. I have some other questions for you, but uh, in the journey for scaling it, because you say you want you want to be 10 times better each time. What's coming in 2022? What are you going to do differently, do you think, next year? Yeah, so we just hired like a new head of operations to make sure those issues never happen again and to make sure we're never over-indexed because there's nothing worse than being a bootstrapped business having all of your inventory sit there in cash. Like, I know we're going to sell the stuff, but if I have an extra few months of supply just sitting there getting dust, like, that's so stupid. Like, that's the biggest mistake I could make. So hired somebody who's very, very senior to take care of that. Uh, we dropped CrossNet for soccer next week, actually. So November 15th, we dropped CrossNet for soccer. Literally for years, we've had soccer players play it, use it for football, juggling, all that. Time to give them what they want. One, like our Achilles heel, I guess, is like we only have really one good SKU and then we have the pool version. So now we got the soccer version, which will open up a whole different line of uh, opportunity. And the pool then, version looked really cool. Pool version's dope, man. That's that's a sick one. And uh, yeah, that was a mistake this year. We didn't have enough pool versions. And then supply chain world hit and we were just we couldn't fulfill it. Yeah, it sucked. But uh, how how uh, how are you doing with the, the current supply chain shortages and issues? Right now, we ordered all of our inventory like in the June, in June for the winter. We are fully stocked. We are overstocked to the point where it goes back to our conversation. But it's kind of like at this point, you're begging for 
for inventory. So when you finally have inventory, you can't really complain. Um, right. Yeah. So it, it's a fine balance. I definitely think we probably overpaid on some containers just to get the inventory here. Margins cut a little bit. Fortunately, we're a $150 product and not a $3 little can of Coke. So we have margin um, to kind of surrender. Not that you always want to surrender margin. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're adequately stocked. And we're already seeing container costs go down, uh, which is a good thing and promising. That's good. Yeah, yeah, that's encouraging. Yeah, very promising. So yeah, things are going. Uh, trying to grow the sport. Like we were just on ESPN a few months ago. We had a 30-minute tournament. So uh, legit, no way. Yeah, it was awesome, dude. 30-minute ESPN tournament. Had a uh, $10,000 cash prize out in San Diego. We had the best volleyball players in the world playing cross net. And uh, trying to grow the sport, but not trying to do it Things have to happen organically. As much as you want to put fire to everything, building a sport is just something that a lot of people don't have experience with because it doesn't happen often. And like just pouring cash in, it's a cash burner that is a cash maker. Uh, it's just got to happen over time. But trying to help build the fundamentals of it this year, like having a curriculum, having a rule book and all of that, those are those are 2022 plans. Okay. The And I like that lesson about like, look, it, it – it, at least it's, uh, creating a new sport is concerned. It's got to be organic. You can only do so much. You can't force it. You can support it. You can help it, but you, there's no way to force it to grow faster than it organically wants to. Exactly. I think there's, there's a valuable lesson there. Well, you know, you've been at this for years. I Like uh, hindsight 2020, what would you go back and, and do differently? I would have made content for different ages quicker. Because uh, surprisingly, I bet to you, our number one customer is moms and dads. It's not people like myself, 20, 25, 28, looking to be active. It's moms and dads looking to get their kid off TikTok and off their phone and back in the backyard being a kid again. And it took about two years until our messaging changed to like, go play. Like, you need to go outside and be a kid again. And COVID kind of woke that up in me personally. Like, I live in a high rise here in Miami and my 30 minutes that I got to go outside or went on the balcony to work out, those were the best 30 minutes of my day was when I broke a sweat and I got away from all the noise of real life. So it took us a long time to find that messaging and to find like, rather than trying to grow a sport, like people don't really care about that. They just want to feel like a kid again and not be so damn stressed with these iPhones in their hand all day. So like, that's really the messaging, but it took so long to, to build content for these other audiences because I was like, who the hell wants to see my mom play CrossNet? But more, more likely, everybody wants to see my mom get spiked in the face. Like, that's the content <laughs> that sells. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's nothing. I would not have guessed it. But as soon as you said it, like, I immediately related to it. Because I have three kids. Yeah. And that's a constant thing is like, all right, they're, they're digital natives. So I shouldn't be upset that they're on screens. But also, there needs to be a balance. And like, I'm on screens all the time too, but I also manage to go outside and let the sun touch my face and I don't die. Um, whereas, you know, trying to get my kids outside was a, we live, but literally there's a nature trail in my backyard yeah. that you just will go walk that leads to like a stream. It's very pleasant. Yeah, it took several years to get them to discover and explore it. Yeah, dude. so it, like three houses, like forts in the backyard, like that was that was life when I was a kid. I we got that. sporting goods that we've bought for the backyard. I put like a picnic table, all kinds of stuff, just to try and get them outside. And yeah. one of them was a badminton net, which they actually they did use a badminton net. Right. So immediately, you're right. Like I, uh, looking at my own life, I get it. But uh, there's, I think, a lesson there too. And hey, figuring out the messaging 
and figuring out the real why behind why your audience buys. And in some cases, segmenting the audience and figuring out, okay, who, you know, who are these different people buying and why are they buying? And then holding up the mirror and showing that to people so that they can have that same realization. That's not easy. It's yeah. deceptively hard. You know, because look, like, oh, you know, you just say like go outside and play. Like, okay, yeah. yeah. But figuring that out was the hard part. How did you figure it out? How long did it take to figure it out? Yeah, it took about two years. And we're, it's like you said, it's very hard. Right now we're trying to, to break up our buyer personas into parents, uh, like physical education, like teachers and camps and clinics. And then people like myself, like the young athletes who are out there just going after and getting it. Um, those are our three personas. Took us a while to get there. Um, you got to focus on the one that makes the money, right? Somebody like myself is the evangelist that's going to grow the sport. The physical education ones are going to give me the free impressions in the classroom every day. And the mom and dad are the one taking out their checkbook or their credit card. So that's kind of the order of uh, importance to me. But yeah, it took us a long time to kind of really figure that out and how to figure out how to segment it. Uh, yeah, a lot of work. That understanding and that segmentation is just, it is solid gold yeah. that will carry that business forward. Um, and I love that idea that you said like the the educational aspect where if you can get it into classrooms, that was Apple strategy. When I was a kid, every classroom had like you grew up with Apple computers in school, even though like I didn't actually know anyone who had an Apple computer because then the idea was like we would buy those as adults. Well, maybe it worked because I got a I MacBook. The big, so. the big back monitor, like it was all lit up and like you see through it. That stuff was so cool back in the day. Yes. Yep. Yeah, the big, the, the, uh, or the colorful IMAX. Yeah, yeah. So that's the same concept, man. If I could have your kids going to, going to class, right? Playing cross net, learning how to play volleyball on a cross net, learning the sport of cross net if it sticks. And then they come home and what's on their Christmas list? The $150 cross net. Oh, God, that's smart. Yeah. Uh, and actually, speaking of Christmas, I think I will probably be buying one, uh, shortly after this. So I want to, uh, we're, we're coming to the end of our time together, but I want to ask you about your Shopify website. You yep. have this beautiful, glorious, what appears to be a custom theme. Yep. Uh, I really like it. And there's a few apps on here. You For live chat, for customer support, you mentioned you use Gorgeous, right? Yep, we do. Okay. And we like Gorgeous. We do too. <laughs> All right. What uh, What are a couple other your, your favorite apps? Like I saw, I saw the Spin to Win pop-up show up. Yeah. A lot of people don't like spend to win. Um, for us, like I know that my site has a 12% conversion rate on capturing email or SMS. I'm pretty happy about that. That's um, very good. Yeah. And I, the spend to win constantly performs and the people, when I put them through the funnel, they perform. So I'm going to keep it on my site for now. And the gamification I think works in our way. Cause we are a game at the end of the day. Um, if I had some cash just to blow, it'd be cool to change the spend to win into like a quadrant game. Um, maybe coming soon. Uh, Okendo works really well for us for reviews. It's affordable. Their customer solution team has been nothing but receptive. I email them at 12 o'clock midnight. She's, I have an inbox message at 6 a.m. the next day. So uh, love Okendo. Very affordable. Very reasonable people. Um, what else? Klaviyo. I mean, I used Privy for the longest time when, uh, when we were bootstrapping. I'm still bootstrapping it, but when every dollar counted, uh, we were using Privy for a long time. We still use Privy actually for the pop-up because we found that the the welcome pop-up was much easier to, to make look sexy and privy. And then we import that into Klaviyo. So at this point, you're an experienced and successful e-commerce entrepreneur, Shopify merchant, uh, inventor of new sports. It's quite a lot going on here. So I, 
I take your advice seriously. What advice do you have for some of our, our Shopify merchant audience? What's one thing you wish they would do? To not give up too quickly. And I think this is a video podcast too, right? So there's a product right here called The King. This is my first e-commerce venture. And it's beard oil. It's no, it's no, it's oil for your tobacco to make it last longer. So when you apply liquid to a blunt or a cigarette, it slows the burn, making it last longer. Therefore, you have longer sessions. Oh, I did this for about three years. Every day I woke up trying to do this while I was at my full time job. And we get 100 site visitors, 120 to 200. And I gave up. I gave up after three years. My brother stuck with it because he was in college and he could. About three months after I quit, three three years of like sacrifice on this damn thing, it turned into a multi-million dollar business three months ago. <laughs> it went viral, it exploded. And had I just kept going, I wouldn't have been at my corporate job, miserable out of my mind. I would have been in my house, in my boxers, in Miami, slinging these things. So everyone wants instant gratification these days. Everybody wants the sales to come magically. But nobody understands the value of patience, especially when you haven't seen patients like work for you. So I just say keep going. Uh, if you see little small things that improve 100 visitors to 200, conversion rates up by 0.5%, like little shit like that just adds up. And you never know what success feels like until it actually happens. But just keep going. If you like, if you wake up and you love what you're doing, just just keep going because there's nothing worse than going to work for somebody else and living their dream instead of yours. And well, actually, uh, final question. I need to go buy a CrossNet. Where can I get one? CrossNetGame.com. Best place to buy it. Ship very quickly. Uh, but of course, we're at almost all your favorite retail stores. So go check out the sporting goods section. CrossNetGame.com. Hey. All right, Chris Mead, thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Shopify's online store 2.0 is here, and I have some very exciting news for you. Out of the Sandbox just updated their best-selling Turbo theme to be online store 2.0 compatible, and it's better than ever. The Turbo theme is a personal favorite of mine. Its update is packed with features like new faceted filtering, sections on producted content pages, and support for Metafield modifications. Honestly, this is one of the best themes. Plus, Out of the Sandbox offers a 14-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. Head over to outofthesandbox.com slash unofficial to get Turbo today. And don't forget to use the promo code KURT20 for 20% off your theme. That's K-U-R-T-2-0. Save yourself the FOMO. Buy Turbo today. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.